Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 71 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. Peter Jones is here with me tonight. No Todd. Todd is working like a dog. It's Tuesday night, 6.51 p.m. Central Standard Time, and he is still working. So shout out to you, Todd, making that money. Sorry you're not here. Peter, it's good to see you. How are you today, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. $8,000 poorer today than I was (laughs) yesterday, but I'm good. My tenants will have heat as of maybe tomorrow or the next day. Did you ever see that movie uh, with Joe Pesci? He's like a landlord. Oh, fuck. I'm totally... Oh, and I already cussed. (laughs) Here's my swear jar. Anyway, that's not me. I I had assumed that Todd was secretly off interviewing for either the Miami head coaching job or maybe the maybe the Vikings GM job. He probably is interviewing for something like that. I mean, he has moved up from average cheese special teams coordinator to probably something a little bit better and better paying. Maybe <laughs> he might be. He just said he was working. He didn't say specifically what he was doing. So maybe he is interviewing for those jobs. I mean, He's super qualified for those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thanks to Rhonda at RM Management and thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. I just shipped out two more t-shirts, Peter. We are making money for Habitat. And again, if you heard that quarter hit the jar, that's for Habitat. Uh, I'm super excited. People are uh, stepping up to the plate and ordering t-shirts from us. So that's super cool. I got to figure out a cheaper shipping option because I just paid like 10 dollars to ship this fucking t-shirt <laughs> to sheboygan which i should have drove up there that's what i was gonna say that's just up the road isn't it it's like an hour and a half from here yeah. if i could have drove it for less than ten dollars <laughs> stupid and i sent one to uh florida that was twelve dollars but anyway no one cares about that deal <laughs> just send them off but i gotta find a cheaper option maybe i should go to the post office instead of fedex and maybe it'd be better you can find us on Twitter at AVG Cheese. You can find us on Facebook. You can email us avgcheese at gmail.com. And Todd told me the other day that he is going to register our domain for us. So we will have a website at some point. For real. We'll stop pressuring Peter because <laughs> <laughs> he was never actually going to do it. I just kept making that up. But we're going to have a, a website. And I was talking to somebody too, Peter. Maybe you know some people in this world. I, we need a new theme, like not a theme. We need a new intro because I clearly am breaking copyright laws, our intro and outro. So I'm going to have to figure out something. Maybe I'll reach out to Dwight because Dwight does music too on top of all the other million fucking things <laughs> that he does. Yeah. So we'll have to figure something out because I want to go legit. Season three, we're going to be totally legit. Sounds great. Yeah. 
One more thing. So I just want to let everybody know that I am the average cheese pick them champion. <laughs> just as you would expect. <laughs> I was going to say, I was, when, when I saw you tweet that out earlier, I was thinking, I don't know how well this sits. The average cheese winning the average cheese pick them championship. It's- what do you mean? There's no cheating. <laughs> I can't change far my bit, picks. Far be it from me to suggest such a thing. I feel like you were, and it's fine. I would if I could, <laughs> but, but I can't cheat. <laughs> ESPN locks those t- picks in when the, you know, at 12 o'clock. If the game starts at 12, the pick is locked. Whatever I have is whatever I have. I can't help that I'm super fucking smart. You know, can't help that. I also whipped Marcy's ass in the championship of our fantasy football league. Take that, Marcy, even though I think she let me win. I would pretty much say that she did. 100%. But whatever. We shared. We're going to share in the winning, so it doesn't make any difference. So thanks, Marcy, for letting me win. What else, Peter? Oh, yeah. Episode 71. Named after who? Well, I thought about Josh Sitton, one of the most recent 71s or high-profile recent 71s. But I thought we'd go back to kind of the late 50s or mid-50s and into the early 60s with Bill Forrester, who was a Packers Hall of Famer, played for the Packers from 53 to 63. Started out in the old five-man lines as a, what they called a middle guard. In, in essence, a nose tackle guy in the middle of a five-man line and then and then moved back to linebacker and was part of that late 50s, early 60s great linebacker crew that had Forrester, Tom Bettis in the middle, who was replaced by Ray Nitschke, and my friend Dan Curry on the other side. Bill Forrester was probably for a while there the best player in that group. Three-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler. So from that period, from about 57, 58 through to 62, was one of the upper-upper premier linebackers in, in the league. Won two championships with the Packers in 61, 62, 21 career interceptions, 15 fumble recoveries, 21 sacks, all-round player could rush the pass or drop back into coverage and he's one of those guys that again because he didn't play I think into the mid 60s and into that team that won three championships in a row is a name that often gets overlooked when we talk about great Packer players but like when we talked about Gail Gillingham about three four weeks ago Bill Forrest is one of those guys that's right on the verge of being a pro football hall of famer and if the Packers probably didn't have so many guys from the Lombardi era in he would be the next guy, you know, one of the next guys up. And I probably should give a shout out, as I'm a member, that the um, Professional Football Researchers Association have a Hall of Very Good. Selected each- <laughs> do they yeah, really? Really That's do. Awesome. So it's elected each year for guys that are all guys that are already in the Hall of Fame and not eligible. So it's the next guys up. And Bill Forrester's in in that and has been in that been in that for a number of years. So so he's right there as one of the one of the great great players in in Packers history did Bill Forrester get replaced due to injury why you know why did his tenure with the Packers end was it just that someone was better was it better I was no it was it was it was pretty much just I guess at that time he played for 11 played for 11 years okay so he was around from the the early 50s yeah 53 to 63 played for the Packers so yeah I mean it was just that kind of that was kind of the at that time for for guys playing on the line or or linebackers that was a long career 10 or 11 years for for those guys and it still would be today but but especially back back then when they didn't have you know the, the medical breakthroughs and stuff that we have we have today so really good career 
And then, of course, eventually he was replaced by Leroy Caffey, who I think we talked about a few weeks ago on the right side, and Dave Robinson would move into the left side. So Packers had consecutive great groups of linebackers from like 58 through to 67. So he played for some real shit Packer teams too in the early fifties. Yeah. In the in, yeah in the early mid mid fifties, and of course that the one ten on one team in fifty eight um, under Scooter McLean. You know, and and I guess like all of those guys there, it was a a breath of fresh air if that's the right way of describing Vince Lombardi coming in 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 fifty nine. That if you like, uplifted everybody's career. Thank you for that, Peter. Just <laughs> it's cool to learn about some of these guys that I had never heard of. There are some 71s. So the 71s that I remember, Santana Dotson and Josh Sitton, those are the two guys that come to my mind when I think about 71, but there was a better player. It was weird to me because I looked them up too. Having a linebacker have 71 seems like a weird number for them. But now that you said it, he played nose for a little yeah. bit and played nose tackle or what they called it, mill guard, you said, yeah. that 71 makes far more sense. So, yeah, Bill Forrester. Awesome. All right, let's move on. So the slices are all the same this week. It was Black Monday. We're recording on a Tuesday. Black Monday is when every coach gets fired that needs to get fired or maybe doesn't need to get fired in some instances. But a lot of coaches fired. And I included Urban Meyer in this Black Monday group, even though he was cut by Jacksonville a long time ago, a couple weeks ago now deservedly so but so let's start with urban meyer urban meyer is a good college football coach i think some guys make the lift to the pros and they they aren't good nick zabin was a pro football coach for a while went back to college because that's what he gets jim harbaugh was an nfl coach for a minute and then went to back to college to coach at michigan so there's a lot of guys that just need to stay college football coaches my question to you, Peter, from the Urban Meyer thing is Daryl Bevel has now been the interim coach two years in a row with Detroit. He was the interim coach. And now he is the was now the season is over interim coach in Jacksonville. Does he get a fair shot in Jacksonville to take over for Urban Meyer? Well, for me, it would depend on whether you think he's the guy that developed Trevor Lawrence, because you still have to assume that that Trevor Lawrence is the future of that franchise. You know, if we're sitting here in two or three years' time and, and, and Lawrence has struggled like he's done for most of this season, then you're asking questions then. But right now, you've got to assume that Trevor Lawrence is the guy. And therefore, you've got to have a guy that can develop Lawrence as a quarterback and then build the team around him. If Daryl Bevel's that guy, or they believe he's that guy, then I think he should get the job. Because there's nobody with a wider level of offensive experience as a, as a coordinator, as a quarterback's coach. I mean, we're going back Brett Favre days in Green, in Green Bay, where he was firstly an assistant quarterback's coach, and then he was the quarterback's coach. He's worked in Seattle with Russell Wilson. You know, his CV at that kind of level has to be as good as anybody's, I, I would suggest. So unless they've got their eyes on, a, on another guy for a particular reason, perhaps a Nathaniel Hackett, um, because he's been there previously. For me, I would I would like to see Daryl Bevel get a shot because if he's not going to get it now with the CV he's got, is he ever going to get a shot? Or is he going to be like Vic Fangio and get a shot when he's right at the end of his career, as it were? Yeah, he doesn't get a lot of run with the great offensive minds. You know, there seems like there's this guy de jour 
who becomes real fancy, like, oh, this is yep. the next guy and he's going to get interviews with everybody. I've never heard that about Daryl Bevel, but I think you're right. Did he make Russell Wilson, Brett Favre, and all the quarterbacks he's worked under better? Because that's what you want in Jacksonville. You want Trevor Lawrence to be the man. If you believe enough in Daryl Bevel, I think you do give him a shot. Yeah. Name or not. Because it's Jacksonville. There's actually a couple pieces there you'd like to build around. And Trevor Lawrence is a guy to build around. You don't want the Sam Darnold. and I, I, There are others who have had like multiple coordinators and head coaches over their young careers. And, and they get wrecked because they never get into a system or have any consistent offensive mind telling them what they should be doing. And I think Trevor Lawrence has the physical tools to do it. You put the right guy in front of him, he should be all right. So I hope it is terrible. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I think it's important for that. So I think it's important for them, for me, that they don't go down the Urban Meyer type route a second time. And, I, and I'm pretty sure they won't because whoever it is that they choose, whether whether it's Daryl Bevel or whether it's, say, a Byron Leftwich or an Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs, because those are the names that constantly get mentioned year after year, is you've got to have a guy that you know is going to be there for the next three, four, five, six years, because you can't have the situation that you've just described where your star player, the quarterback that you want to build your franchise around, goes from offensive system to offensive system to offensive system in his first three years, because that, that's a recipe for ruining a, guy, ruining a guy's career or setting him back a while. So, yeah, I'd like to see like to see Daryl Bevel get the chance. He's paid his dues, if you like. He's been around for a long time, worked with all those quarterbacks we've talked about. So, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of wrecking a guy's career, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace were both fired by the Bears on Black Monday. Nagy was supposed to be that guy. He was that sexy offensive mind a couple of years ago. I'm sorry to see Nagy and Pace go. I think they were the reason why the Bears were not as good. I think they made multiple mistakes, not just coaching, but also in the GM spot. We did give Pace a lot of credit for picking Justin Fields, but those two guys are gone. I heard Leslie Frazier's name in the To the Bears conversation. I know it's way early, and they're just asking for interviews. And a lot of these guys are coaching now anyway. The guys like Nathaniel Hackett, are still in the playoffs. So whether they get interviews or take interviews at this point, I don't know. But Leslie Frazier is I, what I've heard. Jim Harbaugh I've heard a lot because apparently I yeah. follow a lot of Bears people on Twitter. I think that's yeah. a disaster. I'll just be honest. I, don't, I think Jim Harbaugh is Urban Meyer. He's Nick Saban. I think he is suited for the college game and the – four years and you're gone, the three years and you're gone, the two years and you're gone. I think, I think he's one of those guys. I think he'll rub you the wrong way. Yeah. And you know, his career has been interesting because if the university of Michigan job hadn't come up, that being where, you know, where he went to school, would he have stayed at the 49ers a lot, a lot longer and would his pro career have been different? Took the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Although I would say it was the Colin Kaepernick thing that took the NFL by surprise that year running quarterback and really took them to the Super Bowl. I don't know. You can see them going for Jim Harbaugh because of his, you know, Bears background. Again, same thing with Leslie Frazier, obviously played for the Bears, also coached the Vikings, if we remember, head coach of the Vikings for 
three years, 10 years or so ago. With the Bears, you know, you, you never can quite tell whether how much of their difficulties are down to the coaching or down to the down to the GM. And, uh, you know, you or even the, higher uh, up or higher or higher up. And and I think this is true with every franchise. It isn't necessarily even that you pick necessarily you select the wrong players, but you may select the wrong players for the coach that you've got or, vi- or vice versa. You know, so uh, you've got to have those guys working in unison. Absolutely. The GM and whichever route you decide to go, the GM and the coach have got to be on the same page. You know, we're selecting this quarterback because he's going to fit the style of offense that we're going to run. We're selecting these defensive players because we want to run this type of defense, that t- that type of thing. So with the Bears, who knows? You know, every coach that comes into the Bears, they always talk about the main thing is we're going to beat the Packers. You know, that's almost the first things that, that come out of their lips. Now, eventually they're going to hit, they're going to hit on a guy and a guy going in there. I and mean, we talked about the Trevor Lawrence situation, potentially the same thing with just with Justin Fields. To get a guy in there that knows how to coach quarterbacks, because if you can get a quarterback that could win, you can hide a lot of other things, a lot of other difficulties that you've got until you can build the complete team around them. But you've got to get that guy. 100%. And going off of what you said with the GM and the coach, the GM putting the right players in the spots for coaches, Brian Flores was fired from Miami kind of a surprise twitter kind of was like wow what the fuck is going on there brian flores and that was a case where brian flores didn't believe in tua and the gm did at least that's what the rumblings are and then in minnesota too i don't think mike zimmer and rick spielman were on the same page for years well and they let them both go in minnesota so that's kind of interesting any thoughts on either one of those jobs I think the Flores thing was a, was a real shock if you just look at the play on the field. But you're absolutely right. There's, there's, so there's some strange things there. You've got the GM that obviously believes in tour. You've got the coach that perhaps doesn't. Who knows? Then you've got the owners that supposedly like Deshaun Watson. So it's so a whole, you know, how much of all of that you can believe, I, I don't know. The firing of Flores was just the, the weirdest thing for me. And whoever the quarterback is in there, whether it's Tua, whether it is Deshaun Watson in the future, because who knows where his career is going. Again, you've got to get a guy, you've got young quarterback, you've got to get a guy in there that can come in and work with, work with quarterbacks. And I'm a great, absolute great believer in that. It's slightly different if you've got a veteran guy, if you're coming in to coach an Aaron Rodgers for a mm-hmm. Example, or even back in the day when Holmgren went into the 49ers as their offensive coordinator to coach Montana and Steve Young. You're not doing that much coaching. You're doing a lot of learning and certain things. But I think in this scenario, again, I think similar to the Bears, similar to the Jags, for me, they've got to get an offensive guy that can coach quarterback. I would list the same potential names, a Byron Leftwich. Or an Eric Bieniemy who's worked with Patrick Mahomes. Which one of these jobs does Brian Flores get? Well, I've heard his name mentioned with the Bears. Okay. So, so, so I would think that he's a guy that's going to get a job unless it just becomes a numbers thing. Unless by the time, for all we know, two or three of these jobs could, could already be tied up. They, yes, they're going through the process of interviewing, obviously, because they have. But they may, some of these teams may already have one or two of these guys pretty much inked in so don't know and Vic Fangio who you mentioned before was fired as the Broncos coach sometimes I wonder so 
Michael Jordan was a terrible GM in basketball. I wonder if John Elway is also a horrible judge of talent in the Denver organization because they've gone through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback in a place where, you know, you've got John Elway who clearly cannot judge talent at the quarterback position or thinks that certain things can be fixed to make certain guys elite quarterbacks. Now, we've talked about Teddy Bridgewater and Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. He's never going to be great. If it's the injuries, I don't know, but he's never going to be great. That's my opinion. Drew Locke has to be developed. And if you're not developing Drew Locke as a, I mean, it's Vic Fangio, right? So that's not his gig. Like he's a defensive guy. So do you bring in an offensive guy there to? Develop Drew Locke? I don't know. I just think that maybe John Elway doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Sometimes when you're that good at football or basketball or whatever sport, you are not good at the management side or the GM side of things. So I don't know. Yeah, you know, and that's a, that's an interesting one because obviously they 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 won a Super Bowl, but probably as much through Peyton Manning as anything else that they that they did there. Although you know Manning was at the end of his career, but he still game managed them to with a strong defense manage them to a sort of Super Bowl with with Elway there. But I mean, I think generally I am a great believer in many, many sports that great players tend not to make great coaches or great GMs. There, oh, you know, there, there are some that break that rule, but generally speaking, sitting in the UK, I can look at soccer and somebody says, name me a great manager who was also a great player. You'll really struggle to find one. And I think that's the same in the in the NFL. Name me guys in the NFL that have won Super Bowls as a player and as a head coach. You won't find many. And I think it's just a skill thing and it's a skill set and different skills, horses for courses and all of that kind of stuff. With Denver, you look at the Drew Locke situation. Is he the guy going forwards? I don't know. Yeah, and, and it's easy to sit and perhaps say that he's struggled and he has struggled, but then you also have to ask the question, how much development has he been being given has he had the right people around him i don't know and again if you're a franchise if you sit there and decide that drew locks your guy then you've got to commit to him and they clearly haven't totally committed to him thus far no conversely if he's not your guy then move on and commit to a guy but make sure that if it's a young guy so if it's a guy that you're drafting make sure that you're going to get somebody in there that's going to help him help him develop strong believer in developing those quarterbacks like Holmgren did with Favre, like Mike McCarthy did with Aaron Rodgers in his early days. Because if you look at Rodgers in 2005, 2006, you look at his throwing motion, you look at all kinds of stuff, his dropbacks, that's clearly a lot of work went into developing him into being a starter in 2008. You look at the work potentially that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy have done with Patrick Mahomes. Now, all of those guys have obviously got a lot of skill anyway, but I just think it's so important. So you've got to, again, find a guy that can come in and coach your quarterback. Totally agree. And the last job is the Raiders job. And I would be stunned if they did not hire the interim guy. Is it Biscaglia? I don't know. Yeah, how to say I, his mean, name. I think given that they've got to the playoffs and, and even if they didn't get, even if they'd lost that game to the Chargers the other night, you felt like for some reason, and, and maybe it's because, because there was just a lot went on with the Raiders in the first month, month and a half of the season with Gruden and then Henry Rugg and, yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. But you just felt like that franchise got solidified as the season went on. So my suspicion is that, that he would have got the job even if they'd lost Sunday night to the Chargers. 
But I think with that win and getting into the playoffs, and they may go yet deeper into the playoffs, who knows? But I, I think that job has to be his. Pulling that franchise back together after the fucking mess that they had, he has to get credit for that. If they don't hire him, I think that's a huge mistake. Only for the, this guy is solid and he's kept us going through all kinds of adversity. And you look at that franchise and they're in a slightly different situation to the one that we've talked about. They've got Derek Carr. Now, Carr isn't Aaron Rodgers, but he's also not some of these young guys that we've talked about. He's a good quarterback that you can win a Super Bowl with, mm-hmm. right? Because let's not forget that Joe Flacco's won Super Bowls with a good team around them. So, so you don't have to, you're in a totally different situation there to the situation that Jacksonville and Miami and Chicago are in. Yeah, totally agree. So let's move on to a Packer loss. We haven't said this in a while. Packers lose to Detroit 37-30. Who cares? Would be my first reaction to that. Let's get to the good, the bad, and the ugly. A good from you, sir? I guess Alan Lazard would be the guy that's, that stands out in the first half. Two touchdown receptions, five catch, I think it was. Certainly that would be the good on the offensive side of the ball for me. There's all, the, all kinds of other things. Rodgers was good in that, for, in that first half. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you wonder, is Alan Lazard starting to take over that two receivers position I mean, I don't know what's going on with MVS. I think MVS must be hurt, clearly, because he's been ineffective for the last however. And I don't want to talk about the future. I just want to talk about this present season. But going forward, I think Alan Lazard, he seems to be able to do the things that Randall Cobb can do plus more. He can block, whereas Randall Cobb is not going to block. Can he get into that spot and sit down in his zone like Randall Cobb can? I'm not sure. And he's a younger guy. So I, I'm really excited about Alan Lazard yeah. going through the playoffs here. I feel like he is a weapon, not on the you know Devontae Adams weapon scale, but I feel like he can be utilized in that passing game for sure. He's a big body. I think he could sit down in his zone. Todd's not here. Todd's favorite tight end, Josiah DeGuara, had a long touchdown in this game. Kind of funny. I thought Aleem McNeil was going to catch him from behind at some point. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure how fast DeGuara is at this point coming off a knee injury, but we'll take it. He broke a couple tackles, to be fair to him, which is not something he does very often. And he kept going forward. I hope that going forward in this season – that he sees, you know, if I make a move on a guy, the potential to do things. And that, that was kind of nice. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And I, and I think it's there's always building blocks, you know. And I think with the younger guys, unless they're coming out of college as a star, there's a moment in their career that's the, the light switch moment. The moment that, I won't say turns it around because that's unfair. DeGuara was injured and whatever else. But, but the big play that sparks their career. And that may have been it. I mean, I'm not suggesting that he's the next, I don't know, Zach Ertz or, or Travis Kelsey or whatever. Who knows? But that still might be the moment that the light came on and yeah, and pushes starts. him forward. Yeah. yeah. I'll start with the bad. And I don't know where to go with this. I really want to talk about this season. I don't want to move forward and talk about like Jordan Love next year or Alan Lazard next year. I'm trying to avoid that. I'll just say this. Jordan Love in this game was fine. I'm going to call, I'm talking about the bad, but I don't know if he was bad because Aaron Rodgers gets to play with Devonte Adams and the starters. 
Jordan Love has to play with Jawan Winfrey, Alan Lazard, you know, guys, Equinemia St. Brown, guys Amar- like that. Amari Rogers. Amari Rogers, which I'll get to in a minute. And it's not fair to judge him. The thing I worried about in this game, and again, going forward, even though I don't want to talk about going forward, I feel like he's trying to do too much. When he gets pressured in the pocket, he's going to try to zing that pass across the middle to somebody that he right now in 2021 has no right to throw that pass. Like the interception that he sailed and over the top when he was getting the guy right in his face, that's the one you got to take a sack on. At this point in your career, I believe you need to hold that ball and just take the sack because you don't have the, I don't know what it is. I think the only saving grace for Jordan Love in that situation is you've only got 40 seconds left in the game or whatever it is. If he takes a sack there, the game's probably over or close to being over. So 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 I think the situation probably dictated that, but still a bad throw. Now, the other interception was... Not a bad throw. In fact, he made no. a good play, made a good play on that. Okay, it was it was tipped, and we'll get into the Amari Rogers thing. So yeah, sorry, I can't, probably kind of cut across you there with with Jordan Love, but I've got some quite strong views about Jordan Love, and I think some of that's probably come from my react to the social media reaction to Jordan Love, and I think that whilst trying not to jump forward two years, I think I think this constant comparing him to a three-time MVP, possibly four-time MVP, Hall of Famer, who's one of the best to ever play his position. Some would say he's the best, but whatever, he's right up there. I mean, that's just unfair. And that's just that's just a ridiculous comparison for a guy that's thrown 62 passes in the, in the NFL, is in his second season. The first season, there wasn't a preseason or a training camp. So in essence, he's had one training camp and one preseason. Preseason of two games, by the way, because he missed one through injury. If you want to compare him to Aaron Rodgers, compare him to 2006 Aaron Rodgers. I understand that part of the reason for the comparison is if the Packers were to move on from Aaron Rodgers, everybody wants the next guy up to be Aaron Rodgers or to be close to that level or whatever else. And, And I understand that comparison, but I think people coming out and saying, this guy can't play. He's a bust, et cetera, et cetera, is absolutely ludicrous because they need to go back and look at 2006 Aaron Rodgers or 1991 Brett Favre, for that matter, or even look at 1993 Brett Favre when he threw more interceptions than touchdowns. I think the difficulty we have is that we've been very spoiled at the quarterback position. And if it was so easy for quarterbacks to come out of college and be the next Hall of Famer, then the Hall of Fame wouldn't be a thing, would it? Right. If every quarterback that came out was a Hall of Famer. I don't know whether Jordan Love's going to be a Hall of Famer, whether he's going to be really good, whether he's going to be good, whether he's going to be average, whether he's – who knows? But we're not at that position yet where, where, A, we have to make that decision. Now, we might be in the offseason if something happens with Rodgers, but we're not at that situation. And he's not in that position in his career yet. Like I say, the guy's thrown 62 passes, the equivalent of probably – a game and three quarters in, in, in yeah. the NFL. Was yeah. he good in this game? I thought he was above average. Above um, average. Okay. Above, aver- above average. I, I don't know whether if good is seven and a half out of 10, I would say was probably six and three quarters out of 10. Okay. That cuts just be- above average, just below good, if you like. And that's fair. 
And I will only hang the one interception on his head. The one that he sailed at the end was on him. The, the other one that was tipped and then Amari Rogers wasn't able to catch it. That wasn't on him. That's not a Jordan Love interception. 10 for 17, 134 yards, touchdown, two interceptions. I brought him up just because I don't right now. Is he good? No, he's not good right now. Of course, he's not for all the reasons that you said before. Let's move on. I don't want to say the word bust with Amari Rogers, but again, I was a huge proponent of Amari Rogers when the season started. If there's a position in the NFL that you can play as a rookie and be effective, it's running back and wide receiver. Now, not every wide receiver can be successful in their first year. And I hark back to my own Devontae Adams. I wanted Devontae Adams out of Green Bay many years ago. I worry that Amari Rogers has gotten a lot of negatives in his one year. And I worry that mentally he's starting to press already. And I go to the kick that he should not have returned late in that game as a, I'm going to make a play right now to prove that all that other shit I've done, that wasn't me. And that I worry about that he's pressing. Because I will hang the interception on him. He should have caught that ball. I don't, I don't yeah. know how he didn't. Again, running the kick back out, that's the worst time. You've let every kick go. And he like puts his arms out. I'm like, dude, that's barely making it to the fucking end line. Could you at least make sure it makes it over before you do that? But that one he decided to return in the worst possible spot. We need every second of clock. You hit the nail on the head because that does give the impression of a guy that's trying too hard. And what's interesting about that particular play is that we all remember the Ty Montgomery fumble against the Rams three, four years ago, whenever yeah. whenever that was. And, you know, Montgomery was gone that week or he was traded off that week, pretty much off the back of that play. You know, there was all that discussion about that, about, you know, was Montgomery told not to run that ball out, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I would hope in this scenario that somebody had got to Amari Rogers. You do not run that ball out. If that ball's just going to the end zone, you do not run it out. Now, I don't know whether that conversation took place, but that's the kind of question I would be asking is, somebody must have said that to him, I hope. But Mo Drayton should be fucking fired today. He should have been a Black Monday your fire if that conversation was not had. Because that's the kind of stuff you need to instill in your young players just so they understand the moment right there. Yeah. If that conversation wasn't had... Mo Drayton should be fired, in my opinion, right now. Do it right now. Just go without a special teams coach. What do you need one for? It's the playoffs. Just make sure everybody knows they're supposed to be out there when they're supposed to be out there. (laughs) Give it to, I don't know, who's the special teams assistant guy now? Mo Drayton Jr. or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I think think going back to Murray Rogers, it's an an interesting one because – the Packers came into the draft, if you like, this year without a slot guy. You know, Randall Cobb wasn't yet there. And so we were all excited and we didn't know. We hoped the Packers would, would pick that kind of guy, perhaps a Kadarius Tony earlier in the draft, but that kind of guy. And we were all kind of excited when Rodgers was drafted. You know, we thought he was going to give us that slot guy, was going to give us something on punt returns, et cetera, et cetera. No idea whether this is the case or not. Absolutely none whatsoever. So I'm just kind of throwing this out there. I wonder whether the trade for Randall Cobb 
in essence, then pulling a guy that's going to come and play your position that you've been drafted to play as a young guy, whether that had an impact on it meant, I don't know, you know, I have no idea whatsoever, but if he kind of went through, I'm drafted, I'm, you know, I'm going to be the guy in the slot through the summer. And then, you know, they traded for Cobb late, you know, in camp, whether that had an impact on him. Don't know. For sure had an impact on the reps that he got. It did that. And, you know, and maybe, again, you know, you, you raised quite rightly the, the Devontae Adams thing. I was one of those guys, certainly after two years of Devontae Adams, saying, this guy can't catch. Yeah. You know, so it just goes to show what, what I know. What we but know. I, but yeah. yeah, absolutely yeah. hold my hands up and say I was one of those guys. And we learned a lesson. Those of us that are kind of armchair critics, we learned a lesson with Devontae Adams. And I think that we should bear that in mind when we think about Amari Rogers. He could have a breakout year in year two. We just don't know. But thus far, not quite what we'd hoped for. And I know we're beating up on this a little bit, or I am. I will say this. Aaron Rodgers puts in work. As great as he has been, if you look back at 2006 tape, he held the ball by his ear like he did in college, and that has changed. So he has clearly put in work. Devontae Adams has clearly put in work on his game. Can you say the same? It's not a question, but I'm just saying, if Jordan Love and Amari Rodgers are willing to put in the work that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams put into their careers, then you have something. If not, they're both going to be busts. It's 100% that way. All right, moving on to the ugly. I put this in the ugly, Peter. This is Jawan Winfrey may have, I don't know, he's not going to get cut, but he may not be a Packer next year. And I think it is, the lights are too bright for him. I think there are guys who soar in practice in preseason games, and then the bright lights go on and they just can't get out of their own way. I think Jawan Winfrey is that guy. Yeah, and we and, and we seem to have this every year, don't we, with the kind of sixth or seventh wide receiver on the uh-huh. on the, the, on the, the Darius Shepherds, the yeah. Jeff Janices, the we can name a million guys yeah. going back. You know, Reggie Begleton a yes. year or a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I and I think that's one of the most difficult spots to be in for a guy because because you know, I'm not sure whether you want that sixth or seventh wide receiver to be a really good receiver who's going to move up the depth chart or whether you want that guy to be an excellent special teams player who will occasionally play receiver. Steve Tasker, if you like. Now, that's a real extreme, right? right. But that guy was Hall nominally, yeah, right, should be, nominally, you know, the sixth or seventh receiver on that Bills team, but was, was a special teams expert. So that's an absolute extreme. But So I'm not sure... I think it's a really difficult spot for any player to be in, and I'm not quite sure that the Packers have quite nailed what that guy is. They 100% have not. I think they're trying to. Isaiah McDuffie's and those kind of guys, I think they're trying to now start to figure that out. But I don't think Jawan Winfrey was brought onto this roster to be a special teams guy. He was brought on to be a wide receiver. you got to perform. You just have to, and, and he has not. Unfortunately for him. Uh, Moving on to defense, the good, our buddy Dean Lowry. I should be eating my words, actually, (laughs) because I was all for Dean Lowry and his salary being cut. I thought he, him and Lancaster, even though we're still not clear that they're separate people, (laughs) 
I was on the Dean Lowry should be cut train. Six million dollars. That guy didn't do jack shit last year, but he's come to play. Four tackles, two tackles for a loss and a sack. And he absolutely mangled the guard on that play. Just put his hand in his chest and just ran him into the quarterback. That was that was pretty awesome. Dean Lowry is my good on defense. Any any good for you in a Packers yeah. giving up 37 to the Lions game. I, I, I think there were one or two players who put up, I think Lowry absolutely was one of those guys that put up good performances. I don't think there were any great performances. I thought Rashan Gary was good without get again, without getting a, a sack. All uh, right. <laughs> but we need to have, we need to have a recount on that. Somebody needs to put a high court <laughs> junction in or something and get, yeah, get a recount, get, get, get a recount on that nine and a half sacks. I'm sure that that's really 10, but the Gary was good. I thought that um, I thought your man Jonathan Garvin actually was was quite active, but I think it's difficult. It wasn't a great defensive performance by any stretch of the imagination. Now I know some of that was down to trick plays and all that, but I don't care. It's still still yards and scores that you that you're giving up. So I think it's difficult to pick out too many players. I think there were a number of solid players, and and Lowry was as good as anybody on defense on Sunday. What about the bad for you? The bad is more of a general one. I thought the defense struggled badly most of of the day. Now, Devondre Campbell didn't play. It's difficult to know. We know that Devondre Campbell's had a huge impact all, all season long. You know, we've been lacking at that position for a number of years, and he's given us something that we haven't seen for a number of years. However, you also can't live in a situation where if one guy goes down, the whole house of cards crumbles. Now, I'm not suggesting that necessarily was the case, but those people that are pointing to the fact that, well, it happened because Campbell didn't play, that's not a great situation to be in. Because that guy could go out on the first play of the playoffs, and you've got to play the next three games, hopefully, with assuming they get to the Super Bowl, three games, but they could play those games without him. It's more of a general point for me. I just thought the defense just struggled all over against a Detroit team that, yes, has played better in recent weeks, but you don't want to be giving up 37 points to Detroit, 400 yards and whatever it was. Yeah, it was ugly. And I get it. We were playing backup guys, but we weren't playing backup guys in the first half. We struggled. If you go back and listen to our episodes for like the last three or four, it's the same thing. We are struggling to put pressure on the quarterback, regardless of who it is. We played Sean Mannion and Jared Goff in back-to-back weeks, who I would not consider mobile guys. They also don't have Panay Sewell on their line. Taylor Decker went out in part of this game, too. You know, so Frank Ragnow has hardly played this season. He hasn't played at all, so, Yeah, right? Yeah. So this is a line that you should be able to put pressure on the quarterback with. And I worry, minus Darius Smith and Whitney Merciless, who was pretty good, you are now playing Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary a lot. They're playing way more snaps. I think they're getting gassed at this point in the season. While Jonathan Garvin might have had a decent game last week, and he did, Jonathan Garvin played well, to be pretty fair to him. And I'm never fair to Jonathan Garvin. <laughs> <laughs> he played well. But you can't have Jonathan Garvin taking a ton of snaps in a regular game, in a game that matters. So it's Gary and Smith. If Zadarius Smith doesn't come back, I worry that they cannot put pressure on the quarterback. That's my bad. Absolutely no pressure on the quarterback. And to go with what you said, Devondre Campbell didn't play. 
And all of a sudden, the middle of the field looks like it is wide fucking open. That is a problem. That man needs to stay healthy for the next three games because there isn't an answer. Yeah. There's no safety that can play linebacker. We don't have that guy. Henry Black isn't thick enough and big enough to come up and burn a Scott clearly is not. Amos part of the time can do that, but you can't ask him to do that on every play. So there is no guy like that. Devondre Campbell and Chris Barnes need to man the middle of the field for the next three games or we're in big trouble. Amon Ross St. Brown went off on the Packers and it was almost all over the middle of the field. Scary and ugly is Rashawn Gary did not get a sack in his game. God damn it. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I was so looking forward to it. I thought he was going to get when he got held on that one play so badly. You can't <laughs> choke a guy around the neck and that that's got to be holding. God bless it. I was so disappointed. So, Todd's just been toying with us all season, hasn't he? Yeah, he knew. He knew. Nine and a half. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> he knew the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Playing games of this. Huh. Terrible. I'm so disappointed. Rashawn Gary just continues to put pressure on the quarterback. Just needs to get there. We've said yeah. that a million times. He just pushes dudes back into the quarterback, but it's that he gets within a foot of the quarterback. And then what? I mean, Todd will tell you, he can't do it. He can't get around the guy. And it, that, is going to keep him from being an elite pass rusher in this league. That finishing move or that thing that he needs to do to get away from the tackle. I mean, it's amazing yep. for a man that weighs, what, 270, 275, that can just blow 310-pound tackles back into the quarterback, but there has to be more. It's got to be something else. Yeah, and that's going to be the interesting thing. Again, I try not to look forward too much. We've still got games to play this year, but... You know, whether that nine and a half sacks next year can develop into 13 or 14 sacks because he gets to the quarterback slightly more. And if it doesn't, you're then talking about using the fifth year option on him. Who knows? Yeah, Jump, I'm we'll jumping about ahead. that. Yeah, let's talk about that <laughs> after we win a Super Bowl. And let's finish with special fucking teams. Not exactly special again. David Moore, where are you? Where did you go? You need to come back. Packer <laughs> Hall of Famer David Moore. And return kicks. Because you wouldn't return that kick at the end. You would have caught it in the end zone. Just took a knee. Mason Crosby, after we bigged him up last week, that he hadn't missed a kick, I think, since the bye week or whatever it was. Made all those kicks in a row. I don't know what happened on the extra point. It just started right and... Stay kept right. going. I don't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't God. Know. So Todd and I now share the Twitter. You can tell when it's Todd that the tweets on her and when I do. But that wasn't me that said I've had enough on Mason Crosby because we're going to ride that fool right to the end. I mean, it, there's no question about it. Mason Crosby is the kicker of the Green Bay Packers for the rest of the year. I just pray and pray that he can be good enough to win us a Super Bowl. I pray that he gets in a money Mason situation and he can put it through the upright. There's going to come a game. He's going to have to make those kicks. The good news is if there is that history says that he will. Whenever he's been in that situation, he's made the, he's made those kicks. That's the good news. And I worry that my guy, Corey Bajorca, is starting to fall off. Now, granted, the one punt that he had in this game he could, if he would have punted it 42 yards, it would have went through the end zone. So he had to kick it up in the air. I worry that going forward, he's not banging punts like he did in the beginning of the season, but we'll see. 
Anything else about special teams besides David Moore needs to come back? David Moore needs to come back. Pretty much with special teams is is that is that the offense is so good that you never punt, you never have to kick field goals. You score six touchdowns in the first half. Jump. Game over. <laughs> yeah, they only punted once in this game, right? So if you don't have to punt, you don't have to worry about it. If you don't have to kick a field goal, what happened to that offensive efficiency like last year where every time we got in the end zone, we scored a touchdown? Like those oh, no. days are over. 180-degree turnaround from being the top or one of the top red zone offenses to one of the worst. It's very, very strange. So I put this in the notes, Peter, and we don't have to do this. You want to do regular season MVPs? Offensively or the overall MVP, whatever, whatever, it's Aaron Rodgers, right? Because he may be the league MVP, so it's pretty difficult to say he's not. <laughs> not the not team the, MVP? Yeah. yeah. Obviously, your honorable mention on offense is, is Devontae Adams. Defensively, it's Devontae Campbell. Yeah, you know, I think even if he'd been a guy that you'd had previously and had good years previously, still the year that he's had this year has been exceptional. You know, one of the biggest Pro Bowl snubs, ridiculous Pro Bowl snub this year. But for me, defensive MVP is, is Devondre Campbell. Special teams MVP, if you want to do that, would be y- your man, Corey Bajorquez. It's been pretty consistent. It's been more than consistent for three quarters of the season. He's only had like two bad punts in the entire season. Rookie of the year. That's a difficult one. I guess because he's started every game, it's Royce Newman. So it probably would be. It probably would be certainly on the offensive side of the ball. So it probably would be would have been Josh Myers had he played the whole year. Defensive side of the balls, Eric Eric Stokes. But yeah, I I think the the rookie class we'll discuss on another another stage. It's got it's got a lot of potential in it. We'll see where that goes. But I guess those are kind of my yeah. Aaron Rodgers on offense, right? Of course, if you're going to be the league MVP, you got to be the team MVP on offense. I'm with you on Devondre Campbell. Now, some folks have said Razul Douglas, and I could hear that at least. But in this game. I think it proves that Devondre Campbell is the MVP because Rasul Douglas was out there. And without Devondre Campbell, that defense was not the same. Whereas I think Rasul Douglas, it, the proof is in the pudding, as you say. It's right there. He played. Campbell didn't. The Packers were terrible. I don't think you would have said that if Devondre Campbell would have played. And then on special teams, it's Bajorquez. Like, I mean, there's no one else, right? <laughs> no one else was really any good. I mean, we don't watch like blockers and they cut the fucking long snapper midseason. So it can't be that guy. And Wordle wasn't great either. So I, I would I would be, of course, Bajorquez. I would say that if I'm picking a rookie of the year and it's offense or defense, it's Eric Stokes. I can't get down with Royce Newman. I mean, he's been fine. But again, if you're picking against the rest of the rookies, it's basically Stokes and Newman. And there's. I mean, TJ Slayton's played a little bit. Isaiah McDuffie has been a ghost. Is he even on the roster? I, you don't see him much. John yeah. Charles comes in in like special uh, teams. Yeah, and I guess the rookie class has done pretty well when you when you look at it. You know, Stokes has been the starter or the the third Three. guy. However, however you want to look look at that, but you know, Ines has been a been a starter for the year. Newman's been a starter for the year. Myers would have been the starter for the year if he hadn't got hurt. So to get three guys that can come in and start immediately like that, I think is is pretty good. Uh, And let's talk about that going forward. I think we need to give our rookies a grade like we've done in the past after the Super Bowl win. I try to say that with 100% confidence. Let's just talk a little bit about the playoffs since we get the week off. There are some interesting games, more so I would say in the AFC than in the NFC. First round games, Raiders, Bengals. 
Patriots, Bills, Eagles, Bucks, Cowboys, 49ers, Steelers, Chiefs, Cardinals, Rams. Any game you want to highlight? It's interesting, of course, they've got a Monday night game for the first time in the, yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah, like which, which is, you know... You're going to be right. up until four in the morning for that fucking game. Five, <laughs> Card- baby. Cardinals, Rams. Well, and of course, the interesting thing it's about that... It's on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, that- You've eaten breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> That could be that could be the game that decides who the Packers play. But you know, depending on obviously if the if the Eagles were to go to Tampa Bay and win, it's not out of the question. But but they're clearly not favourites to do that. But if the Eagles go to Tampa Bay and win on Sunday, then the Packers will play the Eagles. That will all be done and done and dusted. If that doesn't happen, but the 49ers go to the Cowboys and win, which again is a, is a possibility. The 49ers played well this past. They're a bit of up up and down, but, they, but they're good on their day and they've got some great offensive weapons. So I think that the 49ers could go to the Cowboys and win if the 49ers win that game and the Eagles have lost and the Packers will play the 49ers. So only if the Bucks and the Cowboys win will the Rams-Cardinals game decide who the, who the Packers play. From a Packers perspective, if you look at that, I think you want to play the Eagles. Yeah, like, 100%. They're the seventh-seeded team for a reason. Good running team. You know, and Jalen Hurts has been pretty Fine. decent and better as the season's gone on. But, you know, you just have to say, if, I, if there's one team I could pick out of the six NFC teams that are playing this weekend that you'd choose to play if you could choose one, it would it would be the Eagles. And it would do us a favor as well and get the Bucks out, get the Bucks out of the way. Yeah, I'll be a huge Eagles fan on Saturday yeah. or whenever they play. I don't know if it's a Saturday-Sunday game. I don't know. Sunday, Sunday, yeah. I just look at the AFC games and I think Raiders Bengals. I I'm glad I'm not a betting man, but I wouldn't bet that game. I don't see a clear favorite in that game. And I don't see a clear favorite in the Patriots Bills game either. Like those are like pick 'em games. You could pick yeah. either side, and I'd say, yeah, I can hear your argument for either side of those. Eagles, Bucks. <laughs> I just don't see it. I, I don't see the Eagles. I don't know that they have enough offensive weapons, even though there's no Antonio Brown. And, and I don't know. The, the Bucks don't really have a running game to speak of. So who knows with that? The only way the Eagles can win that game, in my opinion, is they go up. Tom Brady throws a couple interceptions early, and the Bucks, you know, can't get out of their own way. Yep. And then the Eagles can just run it and run it and run yep. it and control clock. I think that's one of those any given Sunday games where you're pretty certain which team's going to win, but you've got this thing in your back of your head that says on any given Sunday, like you say, a team might not be able to get out of their own way. A couple of turnovers, a blocked punt, those kind of crazy plays that, that may go for you. And I think the other thing is that quite often in these playoffs, there's one team, isn't there, whether it's a number six seed or a seven seed that somehow works its way through the through the playoff bracket that, that you just hadn't considered. Could be the Raiders in the AFC. Could be because the AFC is, you know, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, but then you watch them play, you know, that they, they just haven't done what they've done in the past. They're not the dominant Chiefs that I've just grown to expect. I think the AFC is a toss-up. Any of those teams could end up in the Super Bowl. I think minus the Steelers. I think the Steelers are not a very good football team. But Raiders, Bengals, Patriots, Bills. Chiefs, I could see it. I definitely could. NFC, I think, is a different story. I think that the Eagles have no shot. And I think the 49ers, even though they, they played well last week, I don't think they have a shot either. You want to pick these games? Let's pick them. Okay, so Raiders-Bengals. 
I don't know what the line is. Let's just pick them straight up. Money yep. line or whatever the hell they call yep. it in the yep. gambling world. No idea what, what the line is there. I'm going, I'm going Bengals. Me too. I just don't have any confidence that the Raiders can do it. I like Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase won me my fantasy league, so I'm, I'm a big fan of his. They can't stop anybody, though. Their defense is really bad. But I'll take the Bengals, too. So both of us are Bengals. Patriots, yep. Bills. Do you want me to go first? You went first last time. I'll go first this sure. time. Patriots, Bills. I have a hard time going against Bill Belichick. He's a great coach. I hate that fucking guy. It's almost as much as I hate Tom Brady. But you can't argue with success. So I'm going to take, even though Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, I had them both on my fantasy team. I love both those players. I worry that Josh Allen is their running game. I don't think they can do it. I, I just see it's Patriots for me. That's a long-winded way of saying Patriots. So go ahead. So so far be it from me to agree with you, but I, I agree with you. I think that, <laughs> you know, this is where if you had a, a warm weather team going into Buffalo, you'd pick Buffalo to win. Mm-hmm. This is a pick, this is a real pick 'em game. And I just think Belichick has something, clearly. And and it's the type of game that, that the Patriots will pull out pull out somehow. They find a way to win. So yeah, I'm going. Even though they played poorly down the stretch. The Patriots kind of faded, but I, I'm with you. All right, Eagles, Bucks. You're first on this one. It's the Bucks. Much as I'd like, I want the Eagles to win. It's just difficult to see, barring what we talked about, some strange bounces of the ball or whatever. It's difficult straight up to see how the Eagles win this game. So for for me, it's the it's it's the Bucks. Yeah, and again, I fucking hate Tom Brady. I've said it many times on this podcast, and we'll say it until he retires. HGH Tom is going to lead them to victory. I don't think it's even close. I don't think this is a close game. Although last year, Washington played Tampa pretty close in that first-round game and were a couple passes away from maybe upsetting the Bucs. But I don't think that Jalen Hurts and the the Eagles, can. I don't think they can do it. They don't have enough big weapons on offense. Devontae Smith is a nice player. Jalen Hurts is fine but there's no guy that sticks out that could take over a game for the Eagles. And that for that reason, I think it's Buccaneers for sure. Next game up is Cowboys 49ers. I don't want to see the 49ers. I don't know. I just have like flashbacks to the past. I do think though, that the Cowboys are a better team. I think they're a more talented team. So I'm going Cowboys. Agree with you again. I think, I think the Cowboys win this. I think it's relatively close. I think these are two nicely matched teams. Um, but I think the Cowboys with this, I think that Dak Prescott and the offense has been really strong. I also think out of those two teams that the Cowboys have the best chance of beating of beating the Bucks in the following round. So I want the Cowboys to win, and I and I think they will. Yeah, their offense has really been good. They scored what fifty one last yeah. week. I think they're too talented to lose this game, the first round game. They they score too many points. It's another contrast in styles. It's kind of like Eagles Bucks, where 49ers would have to get out big and you know have a 14 point lead to try to Yeah. I mean, I I just think the Cowboys, A, they come up with turnovers on on defense, but I don't even think they need those to win. I think the offense, both running the football, they do enough running the football with Zeke and, and Pollard and those wide outs. 
and the underrated tight end Cowboys can beat you multiple ways on offense. And, and, and I, I just think they'll, they'll beat them. So I'm up for Steelers Chiefs. This is an easy one for me. Uh, the Steelers had to wait to watch that game. You know, the Raiders Chiefs, <laughs> Raiders uh, Chargers game to even see if they could get in. What are they? Eight, seven, nine, seven and one or something like that. Yeah. As much as I would love to see the Chiefs go down, because then I think it's a real crapshoot and the NFC wins the Super Bowl, regardless if the Chiefs don't end up in the Super Bowl. There's no way that the Steelers could put a complete game together against the Chiefs. So I am Chiefs on that one. I agree with that. I think the Chiefs win that game relatively easily, barring, again, one of these funny bounce of the ball games and, and what have you. And I'm exactly the same with you. I think I think in the AFC, the Chiefs is the team that you don't want to face in the Super Bowl. Any of the others... Even the, the Titans are the number one seed. You fancy your chances quite strongly, I think, against any of those other AFC teams. I would love the Steelers to win, but I, I just, just can't see it. Chief, Chiefs relatively easily. And the final game, Peter, Cardinals-Rams, which you said maybe the team that the Packers are playing in the second round, depending on how things go. What do you yeah, think so inter- Yeah, so interestingly, Monday night, which which will dictate that if that's the team the Packers will play, that that surely will dictate that the Packers game will be on Sunday. Quite often they've played, you know, the number one seed they put out on the on the Saturday when they've had it when they've had a bye. But if it comes from this game, clearly Cardinals Rams game late on Monday, they're not going to play. The winner of that game is not going to play Saturday. until to, yeah, right. So in terms of who wins this game, I think it's the Rams. Both of these teams have struggled down the stretch. I think the card, but just that the Cardinals have struggled more down down the stretch, and you just think that even though Stafford's had a few games with interceptions and seems to throw at least one every week recently, again, just think that offense of the Rams is is, is far too strong for lots of teams. I think the Rams win win that game probably by about a touchdown. I saw that Cam Akers came back. So he is now back after tearing his Achilles, which makes them a little less one-dimensional. I had Daryl Henderson on my fantasy team, and fuck that guy. I've never seen a guy go out in the middle of games more than Daryl Henderson. Like That guy's always going out in the middle of games. I would rather play the Rams than the Cardinals. Would you? Yes. Because Kyler Murray and his ability to get out of the pocket you know, sends me back to the Colin Kaepernick thing, and that scares me a little bit. I think the Cardinals are going to win this game. I think it's the first game that we have. They have really struggled too, right? They've really been bad down the stretch. I think they're supposed to get J.J. Watt back. Not that that makes a ton of difference in this game. I just think in a one-game scenario this late in the season, I think it's the Cardinals. I have no real logic behind it. And I would rather it be the Rams. Like I said, I'd rather play Matthew Stafford because I feel like the Packers can force him to turn the ball over. Well, we did turn the ball over against Arizona too. But I, I think it's Cardinals and I don't want it to be. No, that's it. We should probably, you should probably get Todd to give you his picks before we get to these games and we can keep a little score throughout, I the, like playoff, that. throughout the playoffs. I like that. I will do that and I will put them on the Twitters so that everyone can see them. And I guess if anybody else wants to wants to join in and give us their picks before yeah before the weekend let's I love that idea. Let's, let's do let, let's do that. I'll, we I'll, need happily, to do... I'll happily try and keep a score of of what people pick during the playoffs and Let's do gonna, that. If only like ESPN or someone had a contest for the playoffs. <laughs> I don't know, do they? I'm sure they do. 
<laughs> I'm sure they do. Thank you for listening to episode 71 of the Average Cheese Podcast, the Bill Forrester episode. And go, Pat, go. Go, Pat, go. Go, Pat, go.